glorifying through testimony. Recall that God possesses an innate glory. God has always existed. He will never change. He always will exist. He is the beginning and the end. And as such, he possesses an innate glory within himself. The Bible calls that the doxa in the Greek, the doxa of God, the glory of God. But the Bible also teaches that you and I have the opportunity to glorify him or to doxazo him. That is to bring glory to him and honor him through worship, through love, and through testimony. Now, what is testimony? Testimony is the open acknowledgement of evidence that is learned by firsthand experience. So when someone testifies in court, they are in open court conveying expressing to the court their firsthand knowledge of something. It's not something that is done in secret, at least typically speaking. It's an open court. It's an open testimony of firsthand experience. So as Christians, we have a testimony that we are to share with the world. Let's go back to the very beginning. And when I say the very beginning, I mean the very beginning. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1. Paul, writing to the Colossians, says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn or the preeminent one over all creation. In him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of the fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So the Son, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. And in the beginning, he created everything everything that we can see, and everything that we cannot see. There is a universe that is not visible to our human eyes. He created all of these things, and He is the preeminent one. He is before all things. He is the glorious one that we praise and honor and lift up. That's what it was in the beginning. But something happened, didn't it? 
We read in Genesis chapters 2 and 3 about the fall of man. The fact that Adam and Eve disobeyed the commandment of God. Ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result, in that day, they died. That is to say, they were separated spiritually from God. They were cast out of the garden. And death has followed every one of Adam's descendants. Separating mankind from God. And so we have all been separated from God because we are the descendants of Adam. And we see the consequences of sin all around us, throughout the world. In every culture, death exists. And the depravity that sin brings about exists in every culture. But God was not willing that any should perish in an ultimate sense. God was not willing that we should be separated from Him. His intention always was that we live in fellowship with Him. That was His desire. It describes Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with God in perfect fellowship. But that fellowship was broken through sin. So God desired a reconciliation with mankind, but the price for sin The wages of sin had to be paid. And that's why Jesus Christ went to the cross. That's why He made peace through His blood shed on the cross. He paid the price so that once again we can enter into fellowship with Him. We can be reconciled to Him. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the church proclaims. Now, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we have been given a message. That is to say, those of us who have believed the gospel, who have trusted in Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled with God and once again walk in sweet fellowship with Him. We have a message for the world. Listen to what he says. Though we once regarded Christ as in this way, that is to say, only in the flesh, we no longer do so. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new is here. All of this is from God who has reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we've been reconciled to God. God's plan in Christ has been carried out and people have begun to come to him through faith. You are all here this morning either because you have believed and trusted the gospel of Jesus Christ and thus been reconciled to him or because God is drawing you to that message. Now, if you are born again of the Spirit, you have a testimony. You have what should be an open acknowledgement before everyone 
of the firsthand experience that you have had with God through Jesus Christ. That's what testimony is. And each one of us carrying that message of reconciliation brings to that message our firsthand experience with God. So I'm giving you today, glorifying through testimony, the why. Why do we glorify God through our testimony? Next week we'll talk about the how. But today it's the why. And it's very important, it's very important that you understand your testimony. What God has done in your life. How powerful that is and how important it is to the world. Listen to what Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 10. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith which we proclaim. That if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. And, pay attention here, it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Did you get that? This is a twofold proposition. It is with the heart that we believe the message that Jesus Christ died for your sins. But it is with the mouth that you confess that belief. And the two are inseparably entwined. You believe in the heart and are justified, but you confess with the mouth and are saved. So the confession of your belief, the testimony of the experience you have with God is absolutely involved in your salvation. Now, it's not a matter of works. The Bible's very clear on that. But if you truly believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and that he is the Lord and that he has risen from the dead, you're going to confess that with your mouth. You're going to share that. You're going to tell other people what has happened to you. Imagine a person who is dying of cancer and absolutely prescribed the death sentence. You've been given six months to live and there's really no hope for you. But somehow, within that six months, The message comes to you. If you have this procedure done, you can be healed. And you go in, you believe that to be true, and you go in to to the hospital, they perform the procedure, and in fact, you are healed. But you never tell anybody. Does that make sense? Of course not. And yet, Sometimes that's how we are as Christians, isn't it? We're very silent about the extraordinary salvation that God has provided to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, we glorify God through our testimony because it's intertwined in our salvation. 
in the message of reconciliation that we proclaim. We glorify God through our testimony also because our testimony is authoritative. I've been involved at various points in time throughout my ministry with what you might call debates about the validity of this book and the truth of the faith that I hold to. Many of you probably have had that same experience. And you can debate this. You can enter into a discussion about the historicity, the the impact of this book throughout history, the archaeological evidence for the biblical record. I mean, there's all kinds of information out there in support of this, but there are people who, d- who don't accept that, and it's a legitimate debate. But you know what they cannot debate? Do you know what no person can challenge? Is your experience with God. Because you are the one who through open acknowledgement and firsthand experience are sharing what has happened to you. No one else was there but you and God. Now, granted, some people observed what happened. Some people observed the change. But it's your experience. It's authoritative. And in this world that we live in, I believe that people are looking for an authoritative message. Something that speaks truth into their lives. That they can look at and say, the power of of God is exhibited in that person's life. I see the presence of God in how they live. And it opens up to me the possibility of a relationship with God for me. That's what your testimony does. Now, ultimately, it has to align with this book and the message that this book proclaims. Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved, Peter said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're out there proclaiming uh, a testimony that has very little, if anything, to do with Jesus Christ, you're missing the mark. But when your testimony aligns with the person of Jesus Christ, it is powerful. It is authoritative. And you need to understand that. You need to understand that that what you carry with you is unique. And the arena within which your life operates is also unique. You cross paths that I will never cross. You speak to people that I will never speak to. Your life illustrates the power of God in ways that no one else's can. So it's important to understand that your, your testimony is powerful. It's also important to understand that God works through broken vessels. You say, I don't know if I can share my testimony. I'm not a good speaker. I'm nervous around people. I don't have the, the, the skills, the abilities 
the talents necessary to give my testimony. Oh, listen to this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So again, God works through human vessels. And specifically, he likes to choose the things that are not. Now, there's some of you who are sitting here this morning or thinking, well, I'm not sure I like that message. I'm not sure I like being included among the lowly things, the despised things. But the reason, Paul says, is because ultimately the boasting has to come from God. Now, of course, there are many very prominent people who have come to faith in Christ, very intelligent people throughout history and even in this day. But what it's talking about is humility. It's talking about people who recognize that it's the work of God and not their own. And thus, again, the power of testimony. Listen to what Paul says. So, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but rather with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith will rest, not on human wisdom, but rather on God's power. So your testimony glorifies God because it allows God to work through a human vessel that in and of itself is very weak. And so the work that is done, the effectiveness of that work is God's alone. So we glorify God through our testimony in dependence upon him, in a recognition that, yeah, I may not be an eloquent speaker. I may not understand the lofty theology that the Bible proclaims. But I know this. Once I was lost, but now I've been found. Hmm. There's an interesting passage in the last book of the Bible. In Revelation chapter 13. And it's describing a time when Satan has come to earth in his full force and it's in the last days of history before the return of Jesus Christ. And there was a powerful onslaught of evil 
directed against the people of God. And in this, the Bible says that now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. That is to say, Satan. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. Your testimony empowers you to live a godly life. I'm going to say that again. Your testimony empowers you to live a godly life. Listen to this. What has happened? Satan has come to the earth. He is uh, accusing the brethren. He is is forcing uh, all kinds of evil against them. And the Bible says that they triumphed over him by two things. By the blood of the Lamb. This is in Revelation 12, 11 and by the word of their testimony. They were empowered to overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. So, we glorify God through our testimony, and our testimony in turn empowers us to live godly lives, to resist the power of evil and the forces that are aligned against us. So your testimony empowers you to glorify God, to lift Him up, to stand true and faithful to His calling. And then finally, and this is the most important part of this, in Acts chapter 10, and and really this also is is referenced in John chapter 15. In fact, I think I'll go to John 15 first because it's out of Jesus' own mouth. Jesus has commanded us to give testimony to him or of him. He says, When the Advocate or the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. So he's given his disciples the command to testify of him. And then later in Acts chapter 10, Peter has been proclaiming to the centurion Cornelius the gospel message. And he tells Cornelius, we are witnesses of everything that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and has caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. So we glorify God through testimony because Jesus has commanded us to do so. And as we give our testimony, as we share with others what God has done in our lives, as we speak what we believe, we are following the commands of Jesus Christ. And that commandment, while initially given to the twelve, was followed up 
through the 12 to every person who has come to faith. The command is for you and for me, for all of us, to testify of what God has done in our lives, of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, of the forgiveness of sins that is available to all who will call upon the Lord because the Bible promises that all who call upon the Lord shall be saved. So, we have this opportunity to glorify God through our testimony. And this is a little bit different than the fourth word, going. We'll talk about going, the evangelism, that the church is to do and how that glorifies God and, 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 and the work of that within the church. But, but your testimony is simply letting your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, those aren't my words. Those are the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. That's what glorifying through testimony is. It's allowing people to see and to hear God through you. And the fact that God does this through broken vessels like us, to me, can only be supernatural. And that's pretty cool, isn't it? That God wants to supernaturally use you. And that he has uniquely prepared you to convey that testimony, that firsthand authentication of your life and its connection to him, to everyone you come into contact with. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you have given us lives that we have voices to share, that we have lives to live, and that our voices and our lives can testify of what you have done for us, what you are doing in us. And I pray, Lord, right now, that each one of us would stop and recognize the profound honor that we have been given to testify of your work in our lives. So it's my prayer for this congregation, for every believer who is hearing my voice, Lord, that we'd, we, we would rise up and give testimony to how, just as the song said this morning, you have raised us up. And we give you the glory and, th and praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.